yes, I'm successful. I've figured out a way to do what I love. I've had highs and lows, craft dinner nights when I moved to LA and like, you know, hey, you're going to get the TV show. I was doing a lot of TV hosting. And then the next day, no, you don't have it. But I was on my path. Being successful is being on your path, being true to yourself and having the passion every day to get up and do what you love. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Patrick Cook. Welcome to Being. Being is a place where we gather to explore some of life's most difficult questions. What does it mean to lead a meaningful life? What does it mean to live a life of purpose or on purpose? How do we make sense of the world? Really what we're asking is, what the hell is going on? My intention with this podcast is to explore what it means to be human in the modern world through the lens of creativity, consciousness, and personal development. Through authentic conversations with a wide array of guests, including artists, intellectuals, scientists, visionaries, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, Being ventures to make collective sense of an increasingly complex world with the unifying goal of building a sustainable future for all. As humanity continues to march full steam towards extinction, we can no longer afford to simply ask, what is best for me? The question now must become, what is best for me and the whole simultaneously? And so, dear audience, I want to inspire you to take full responsibility, to find your purpose, and to engage your evolution as a conscious agent. I challenge you to live your being. If you're enjoying the content, please do subscribe to the show and get a new episode delivered directly to your device every Friday. And as always, I love hearing from you. So please do rate and review the episode on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whichever platform you prefer. And hey, I might even read your review on a future episode. Here's a five-star review that came in last week from subscriber Simmons66 in Maryland. Eternal questions addressed from a refreshing viewpoint. Patrick Cook takes us for a spin around a positive investigation into how we can be more productive and proactive in a world that seems to be falling apart around us. I highly recommend subscribing. For show notes and more information, head on over to being-podcast.com. Now, on with the show. Today's guest is none other than professional sports entertainer and public speaker extraordinaire Cameron Hughes. If you have been to a professional sports event in the last 20 years, chances are you've witnessed Cameron in all his glory. As the crazed superfan running up and down aisles, igniting crowds with his infectious passion, boundless energy, and cutting-edge dance moves. Cameron has performed for over 30 million fans at more than 1,000 sporting events across the U.S., Canada, Asia, and Europe. He's been hired for major events by the NHL, NBA, U.S. Open Tennis Championship, and the Olympics, among many others. Wherever he goes, he lights up the room, stage, or stadium. And as the only professional sports entertainer of his kind in the world, Cameron created his career on a genuine love for people, the joy of making them laugh, and empowering and exciting crowds to let go and let loose. Cameron Hughes, welcome to being. I am ready to be-ing with you. <laughs> Let's do it. Yes, buddy. So stoked to have you here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I've had the distinct pleasure of meeting and hanging out with Cameron in person a number of times. And I can tell you from personal experience that this guy is the real deal. The energy you see on the screen in the in the stadium, in the auditorium is magnificent and authentic and absolutely viscerally exciting. And dude, I'm so excited to drop in with you. What's going on? How are you? I, I'm good. Thank you for uh, for reading that word for word that I sent to you. Um, <laughs> I'm good. You know, I mean, it's like beyond a, a crazy time in the sense of it's not, you know, when this all went down with the COVID and everything, I was like, it's not a good time for a crowd igniter. You know what I mean? No, definitely and, not. And then within a few days, I'm like, it's not a good time for an event producer. It's not a good time for, a, you know what I mean? Like an on and on and on. But I, you know, I've I've been able to do some other things that are impacting people and 
you know, trying to, you know, move and touch crowds in different ways. And yes, some of it is going great. And, you know, even if it's just like a birthday greeting for someone, if it makes their day, that's why I do what I do. Amazing. And I can't wait to dive into all that with you. But before we begin, like for people who aren't as familiar with you, can you just give us like a, a sort of a history? Like, where have you been? How did you get to where you are? Where did you start? Yeah, well, for the next hour, I'm just going to walk you through growing up in Ottawa and where it took me. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, start. I'm from Ottawa, Canada. I, I was uh, I was kind of the crazy guy that um, kind of got out of his shell, you know, in a tough way, but in a beautiful way. And I, I'll just go right into it because I think it's kind of like, why not? You know, 16 years old, 15 years old, mother come home from school one day. Mom tells my sister and I she's been diagnosed with breast cancer. And she's like, I'm going to beat this. I got this. Um, uh, you know, and the biggest you know cheerleader in my life, you know, is going through this. And I'm in high school and I'm trying to make the basketball team, trying to get a date with a girl. Like, what's important, right? Mm. And you got to keep living. So and I remember, like, I would keep trying out for the basketball team. And I'm six feet tall and I'm not that athletic, but I'm okay. And I remember coming home one day, Pat, Pat and I was like, I was just dejected and my mom could feel it, you know, meanwhile, she's going through cancer treatments and I'm like, Oh, I didn't make the team, you know, and she knew it, but she said these words to me. She said, we're sitting on the couch. Like I can feel it. I can remember it. I can, I can feel her hand. And she said, there's maybe there's other ways you can contribute to the team. Right. Mm. Yep. And you're like 15 years old. You're like, what are you talking about, mom? All I want to do is wear the, have the Jersey on, be on center court. Like, I, I, I mean, it's high school. It's so important. It's the only way you're going to get a date. And you know what I mean? <laughs> so time passes. I don't make the team. My best friend makes the team. And a few months later, unfortunately, my, you know, my mother passed away from breast cancer and she was like a connector. She was a nurse. She started a nursing program, you know, and it's been 30 plus years. And I tell people now as I'm getting, you know, wider, deeper in my story and the behind the scenes of it is like, she left me this message. She didn't write it down on a piece of paper. She lived it, right? She's going mm. through all this stuff. She was a counselor. She was a nurse. She was a teacher. And she just inspired me to like, you know, what, through living and then after she passed, just to take those chances in life more. To like, what have you got to lose? So two months later, here's where the story gets better. I go to my high school basketball team's away game, cheer on my friends. I'm quietly going, let's go team. And suddenly there's something came in me and my team was down by like 15, 20 at the away gymnasium. And these guys, students wanted to kill me from the other school. And dude, I'm going absolutely apeshit crazy. And my friends are like, he's going to get killed. <laughs> and that was it, man. That was like this moment where I was like, I meant to, to get the team excited. So I came back to high school and we got, pe- we got pep rallies going. Next thing you know, our gym's filled with 400 people, 500 people. And it lit this spark in me to get in front of people, to make them want to have a great time. And that's led to this, you know, 26 year career, which we can get into kind of how that evolved. But that was the moment where I was like, wait a minute, in my mom's words, right? I'm pretty good at this. You know what I mean? And it works and it brings people together. And so that was kind of the kernel of how I started to cheer. You know what I mean? Mm, beautiful. You didn't see that coming, right? <laughs> I did not see that coming. And I, I honestly didn't know that part about you. And that's, uh, that's so inspiring. You know? That moment when you felt like, that, what is it, like a def- divine purpose come through you, where do you think that came from? Was that internal, external, a combination of the, of the two? I think it was a combination of the two. And I think... Mm. It's a great question that I've looked at through, you know, the last five, six months, but it's like, it was like, there's this thing in me that I just, I know I'm meant to do this. You know what I mean? Mm. That external is that internal. I don't know. I think it's a great combination, but I can tell you that, you know, and I don't remember the exact like moments, but I remember the feelings of taking that chance that first night in high school. And then I kept taking chances and I kept putting myself out there. You know, whether I went on to university and I was the crazy melon head, I was a mascot for a baseball team. And then that fateful night when I got up in front of 10,000 people at a senator's game, there was this internal thing in me going, I genuinely want people to have more fun at this game. Why aren't we doing it? Right. 
Mm. You pay money to go to a game. You know, you go to a sport event, right? Totally. Why aren't we having fun? Why aren't we cheering? Why aren't we getting behind people? Why, what's holding us back, right? And then the external part of me is going, what can I do to change, change the atmosphere, change their emotional connection to the experience? And so that's when I, like, that night in Ottawa, I got up in front of 10,000 people, sober, angry, minus 300 out, 20 feet of snow. I'm like, I got to do something. So that came from probably doing something for years leading up to it. But also, like, my mom saying, what have you got to lose, kid? Yes. I was I was like a little boy going, I'm going to do this. I don't, I don't care what anyone thinks. Totally, man. And I think so many people uh, get stuck in that fear of, like, I'm worried about what other people think. I'm worried about what my parents will think. You know, yeah. what if I fail? They get caught in that fear. And having that courage, like you're talking about, to to just take a chance. And then even if it screws up, even if you fail, take another chance and another chance and another chance. What's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to look stupid. You're going to get ridiculed. You know, you might lose some friends, but wait, what's the deeper purpose behind it? That feeling, right? And that's why you are so inspiring for so many people is because you, you live, you embody that chance. You live on that edge. And it's like, I'm just getting chills thinking about it. Man. Your energy is so like, yeah. it's so beautiful, but I agree with you. Like we're all going to die. Right? It's like, what the hell are we waiting for? What are we so scared of to take a chance? All the things you said, what people, so my whole thing is this, I, you know, I've been, I, I, I know you know this, but I've been doing a lot of speaking. And when I'm on stage, mm. I do this thing where I'm like running and I'm manic and I'm crazy and I stop and I hit my chest and I go, it's from here. So stop looking here. Stop looking here. No matter how many great Instagram messages you hear a day, no matter how many external internal factors you hear, it has to come from here. So when I get up in front of 18,000 people at a Cavs game, Golden Knights game, or minor league hockey game, it genuinely, the reason I've had this career still for 26 years, is it comes yeah. from that genuine place that it came from that first night that it didn't, I never planned, I didn't show up going, you know what guys, tonight I'm going to get up in front of 10,000 people and go crazy, watch. I'm like, no, <laughs> right? But not only did I do it the first time, and it's not bragging, it's just what happened, I tell people I've had this accidental career, not because I got up the first time. It's what I did with it. Yes. How many ideas have you had where you're, you're probably, and I have, where you just don't do something with them? You, but they somehow you filter to the things that mean the most to you. And eventually mm. your purpose goes towards because you're good at it. You like it. Yeah. Right. So the reason I've had this career isn't I, the story of getting up the first time. How many, how many videos? Do we see on the internet where you're like, oh, that crazy guy dancing or at, you know, whatever events around the world, I, they probably did it once and sat back down. Yeah. I got up the next time I heard the whistle, like this adrenaline rush going through me. And that's where it back to your point of like the calling and the purpose thing. Yeah. I, I, I got to do this. Like they need me to they need me to get up. So I get up from my seat, Patty, and I go to the aisle and I start dancing up and down the aisle. Luckily, there's only 12 seconds of footage. <laughs> But guess what the crowd did? They went nuts. They looked at me like I was like, they're watching me, watching me, watching me. And they're like, okay, he's going to do this. And the crowd has a moment. 10,000 people. It's like your Uncle Bob at a wedding going, is he really going to do the splits with Aunt Joe? <laughs> right? And totally. I, 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 like, I've told this story so many times where I'm like, is he going to do it? And then now when you're in the aisle, you've got no choice, right? Yeah, totally. Full commitment. Dancing up and down the aisle, dude. And the crowd's coming with me because they're like, yes. Yeah. So the more you get up, the more you take chances, the more you go here, the more the crowd's going to cheer you on. Oh, my God. You just described like what true leadership is, like having the courage to put yourself out there. And and I think where a lot of people fail, you mentioned this before, is that they they try something and it doesn't work the first time. And so they abandon it. They're like, oh shit, maybe yeah. it wasn't the right idea or maybe it's not my purpose or maybe it's not my mission to do, right? Without really tuning into themselves and seeing, wait, wait a minute. Okay, so it didn't work the first time. Does that mean it's not the right path? Not necessarily. Should I try it again? Absolutely, right? And it's that courage to keep trying it again and again. And then Cam, when you stand up in the auditorium, you are putting yourself out there, but you're also giving permission to the other people to get out of their comfort zone, to get out of their seat, to do something, you know, that's challenging, a little bit crazy. And that's, that's what energizes them, right? Permission to cheer. 
Permission to cheer. Exactly. What does that mean? It's like it's like the whole that video of the of the guy at the big music festival you've probably seen where he starts dancing, right? Yeah. And the whole video is not about him. It's about the second person joining in. For me, my story is about getting up the second time because I can't tell you. And you know, I've been asked a lot of times in my career, "Well, has it ever not worked?" I'm like, I don't. I couldn't count how many times. Of course, it hasn't not worked. Yeah. It's not that effect of like mass hysteria that you want to create. But what do I do if I'm hired to to get your crowd going at whatever type of event it is, whether it's a comedy festival, an NHL, NBA game? I have to figure out a way. So. I can give you a specific example of getting up with the New Jersey Devils for the first time. The timing wasn't right. The music might not have been right, or it just wasn't right. Yeah. So I had to regroup and I had to figure out a way. I had to keep getting up. I was like, it's the worst feeling in the world. Oh, I know it well. Yeah. And when that, but that's a sign of a true professional, you know, somebody who's dedicated to their, their passion and their purpose is like, so I'm a musician. So when I get up in front of a crowd and they're, not paying attention, totally disinterested, rather talk to their friend like that, that can be devastating, right? A, because there's not the energetic connection between you, but also like you're putting your heart out there, your heart and your soul is on the line and you're not getting the response you want, right? You came to do what you did with that guitar, with your voice, I've seen you perform and you want one thing, you want a connection with your audience, right? 100%. What happens when you have a connection with your audience? Magic. And we feel better, we, we, we're healthier, right? Absolutely. That's what human beings crave is connection. Though that blockage when you're like, you know, that's why like when I do public speaking events, I like, I need every door shut. I need everyone sitting down. I've like run in and grab people's cell phones because it's distraction. And you're like, yeah, want us all to be in this moment. And I, I, cause you care as an artist, right? So when you're up there and you're playing your song and you see that corner and they're all like gabbing, it throws you off, but you've got to find a way to get through it. Right. Well, that's what I meant about being professional is like, okay, it's, it's, it's your job to show up and do your job. Right. And so you have to bring your part of it. You can't control whether the other party or the, uh, the audience is going to connect or not. Right. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but it's your job to bring it. Cause oftentimes and this, it's happened with young bands or young performers. Like they notice that something's off with the audience and they deflate. Right. And so there's the, you're losing all the opportunity to make a connection. Right. So even when I'm performing a gig and the audience is, is kind of low or disconnected, I still bring the fucking fire every time. Right. And more often than not, by the end of the night, I've gotten to one person at least. And then, and then they, they, you know, it, it infects other people and it, and it spreads. And so by the end of the night, I have a full dance floor, but that wouldn't have happened if I didn't like double down on my, purpose and my commitment to bringing the fire right yeah i mean and it's like it's interesting you say that because early in my career i would get up at the wrong time i wouldn't read the crowd well i would be like come on everybody and then you're like no come on everybody like we're down four or we're up four (laughs) or or you know this section's maybe too corporate so i learned to read the room like you do totally yeah and so if the room's just like wants to have a cocktail or they're whatever okay play a cocktail song and then when you notice, like I talk a lot about the sort of the, the science and the, the philosophy behind it, when you need to be that spark, that's when you come back at them with something and turn it up. And I mm. give them more. And the more I give, like you said, the more you get. And then there's the triple effect. The rest of the stadium or, you know, audience for you sees it and goes, oh, I can be a part of that. Right. And that you can't i as an artist as you're an, as you're an artist like and i'm not really an artist but i'm a performer of course you are <laughs> i i can um that's like when you have that it's like I, I it's hard to describe i mean it's like yeah in any capacity when you have that as an artist or performer when you have that connection totally which is why we come back to why we do what we do <laughs> right yeah Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, and it's human connection is fundamental to all of it. Like we crave human connection, which is why this situation with lockdown with COVID is so challenging for so many people and, and causing mental health effects is that we're missing that human connection in person. You know, yes, we're getting it on zoom and that's, you know, um, can be a good replacement, but that, that visceral connection of a human being in the same room, sharing energy is so powerful. And that's what you do. It's so powerful. You know what I started to do? Just like I'll forget, but 
before I would leave my hotel when I was on the road, I would, you know, I would, I would have like a routine and some, depending on I was flying in, I'd have a nap and I'd get up and I'd have this little sort of process. What I've started to do is watch like big, big rock bands mm. on YouTube, on their videos, not just because I like the song to watch the connection they have with the crowd. Yes. At the end of the night, whatever arena and stadium I'm in, I can't control the score. You can't control what you can't control as a singer and performer, but what you can control is how much energy you bring them and what your, what your goal slash plan is, right? Totally. And my goal plan is to have 18,000 people walking out of that arena, high-fiving, smiling, laughing, going, Hey, that was a great escape. Thank you. You know? And a great experience. Yeah. And yeah, it says on your website, you are the master of the fan experience. And I totally agree. And it's a, a making each audience member a star of the show, orchestrating unforgettable moments that they'll cherish forever. That's what you're creating a moment an experience. It almost doesn't matter if the team wins or loses. It's like, they'll remember that night because of you. That is magical, dude. It's like so needed as well. Like this is what people need is, is, is being present in an experience with other human beings. Right. I think that's a huge thing you just said. That was one of my, I, I used to have like a word of the year and a couple of years ago it was present. <laughs> nice. And I could laugh about it because it's sort of dorky. Then you realize, no, it's actually like, you know, you check into a hotel. You're like, okay, be present in this moment. Don't be all over. Yeah. You're not because yeah. that person's working their butt off to accomplish something for me. So I, yeah. I, I, I should give them everything I can. And when I'm in a crowd, I just want you to be present for that moment. You know what I mean? Totally. And then the rest of the game, you do what you want to do, but like, don't have your neck down on your phone. Let's, let's share this. Like you said, experience mm. together. And then I've realized mm. as well, like, I mean, it, the best videos I've ever posted on social media, Instagram, YouTube are not, a, are sure I'm in them, but it's of other people. Mm. Totally. <laughs> right. Totally. Sharing what you just said, the experience. Sharing a moment. It's like when you are, when you've got your crowd, and you're singing and you're ready to get them singing with you. It's the same thing. Yeah. They're now they're the show. Totally. And when you can do that and you get the kid twirling the shirt or I don't know, the funny big guy or whatever, the grandma who twirls the shirt, that's <laughs> gold, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And because it's not about you. Dude, it's not about me. No, it never was though. Like in a way, like sure. You're, you're the messenger. I remember once, uh, it's kind of funny. Like, I don't know, 10 years ago, I was doing a big event and I get this guy, he's probably an 80 year old guy. And he's like twirling his shirt. It was actually the Vancouver Olympics and the usher, I come up and I'm like, the usher's like, Oh, that guy stole your thunder. And I remember thinking, I'm not just going to let this go. And I looked at him, I'm like something like not word for word, but I was like, he was the thunder. Like it wasn't right. it about him. I, I wasn't, yeah. I was, it was his moment. That was the way, yeah. you know what I mean? He didn't get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I totally agree. It's like when I perform, it's, you know, some artists or musicians are like sacred. It's like nobody, this is my show and it's very, you know, egocentric. And I'm like, fuck all that, dude. I want people to be involved. If you want to come up on stage and sing or play the tambourine or come on, you know, this is an experience between us. It's not just about me. I'm creating the container and inviting you into it. You know, and and what you do with that, whether you come or not, whether you participate or not, is totally up to you. And if you choose to, awesome, let's do this, right? And if you want to steal the show, go for it. That's yeah. that's amazing, you yeah. know, because it is experience. It is creating that experience that is unforgettable. But it's also the the collective energy, and I think this is so necessary to you know combat the bigger problems in the world. We need to start working together, right? And this is the first step. A, we need to be present. B, we need to like have experiences together where we're working together. We're experiencing the same thing together, right? And so we can start solving problems together, you know, continued practicing getting into that space, you know, not just in a, an arena or whatever, in other situations, right? Yeah. And then we're, you know, obviously we're missing those like concerts and festivals and like, yeah, I, I, you know, you never leave a sporting event going white, win or lose, not feeling somewhat better or, you know, yeah. of course you do or a concert. Yeah. You, live theater, whatever it is. Of course you do. It moves you. It changes you. It gives you a different look. And you're right. You, you, you watch a festival clear out or a stadium. They're all wearing the same, you know, maybe it's a sporting event, for example. They're wearing the same jersey and they're all like, I just experienced something together as a community. That's it. And back to your point is if we're going to work together, if we're going to build stronger 
neighborhoods, you know, all the other issues that are going on in the world. It yeah. starts with that, having a strong community. Totally, man. Totally. And that for me, like, by the way, on that note is like, one of the coolest things for me is going to these minor, smaller towns. I call them minor league, but you know, just because they're minor league teams, but they're not minor league towns. Some of them are. But <laughs> across North America, you know, from Red Deer to Laredo to Wichita to Bakersfield, to be able to be part of that community for a night mm. is like, I'm sharing that experience with 6,000 people, right? Mm. And that is like, for me, like what a gift. It doesn't matter how tired I am or, or if I was a little sick and I flew in, I'm exhausted. It's like you show up because you know you're going to make 6,000 people's night. And that's like, you kidding me? You know? Yeah. I'm glad my high school coach cut me. <laughs> <laughs> totally, man. Blessings in disguise. That's another thing. Like, you know, when life gives you obstacles, people is like, oh, shit, maybe this is not the right way. But this is an opportunity for learning. You know, so if you can reframe all the uh, all the challenges we have in life is like, wait a minute, this is here to help me. This is here to help me learn, you know, so and, and that's such a, an important factor. And also, you know, when you show up and you are tired, you know, if you bring it, you are going to ignite a fire in somebody else. And then you feed off that energy. The same thing goes for me. If I'm tired, I'm showing up to a gig. I don't want to do this. Inevitably, as soon as I get into that flow, as soon as I start singing I feel better. And then somebody picks up on it and we lift each other up. And all of a sudden I feel amazing by the end of the show. Right. And if I had said no, or I don't want to do it. It's so easy to say, no, I don't want to do it. And I couldn't like, I, I can picture like, it's so funny you say that because it's hard to explain, but I can picture not feeling it. I've had fans say to me, Hey, you're not feeling it tonight. And you're like, what? Like, what? <laughs> and then you have that moment with a kid who twirls the shirt and you're like, all right, your energy goes here. Totally. And that's like, not just as an artist for anyone, like, you know, like it's, it's like the human thing of like creating, setting yourself up for success for one. Yeah. Changing your state. Number two, which we, I think we always during the day, like, you know how you're talking about flow. How do you get into flow? Well, oftentimes you have to change your state. Sometimes you don't just show up and you're feeling it right. Yeah. In all of our lives. So we have to take a moment and do something to change our state. Totally. So you're about to get on stage in front of 500 people, and if you've had a bad day or you're not feeling it or you're a little sick or grumpy, okay, change your state. Well, mm. there's a lot of tricks to doing that, and they're all different for each person. But, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had to, you know, 1,500 events around the world. You know, you, I flew, dude, I, I flew into Singapore once. My flight was delayed by a day. I landed at 9 a.m. I had to perform at the stadium at 2.30 in Singapore. <laughs> you know? I mean, I was the, uh, the guy who hired me was like, are you going to be okay? I didn't have a choice. <laughs> no. Of course I'm going to be okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So what, what are some of the, the practices, the techniques, the tips that you use in order to, to change your state and to, to get into flow when you're not feeling it? Well, like my first thought was I actually, I nap a lot on the road to, to, to stay mm. like some, you know, healthy in that regard to have some sleep. Um, For sure. I, I try to, I'm, I'm doing a lot better, but I cut off uh, interaction on the phone before an event. Good. Um, I, and then I, I'm trying, I mean, it's, it's hard because there's yeah. like requests to do things. The other thing I do is um, <laughs> I can't, I wish I had more footage of it, but I listen to, I have certain songs I listen to. And I run around the underbellies of the stadiums and everyone watches me like, what, what's he doing? And I'm stressed. Who is this guy? Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> I've had it like in the weirdest place. Saskatoon, it's like minus 50 out and I'm like warming up or like in an NBA game and the refs are like, what's he doing? <laughs> like there's a mental warm up. There's, uh, I, have a, I started to meditate before games. Awesome. Good for you. I've been trying to increase my meditation practice overall because. Amazing. Know, and but when I do it before a game, if I just take five minutes, I have an intern that follows me around and helps me. I'll ask them to leave, and I'll just even if it's five minutes. Yeah. And I visualize, I visualize eighteen thousand people coming with me. Oh, dude, so beautiful. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Um, meditation is so powerful, even if it is for five minutes, because this is what it does for me. Is like. If I'm up in my head and I'm scared or I'm fearful about anything, you know, it could be a performance, it could be a job interview, it could be whatever it is, and you have anxiety, you get up in your head, 
right? So you're operating from that space. You're trying to fix the problem from that space. And like, and it's just, you it just make it worse when you do that, right? So what meditation does is it allows you to sort of drop back and decouple from that fear energy, that ang anxious energy, and back into that sort of grounded space. So you can actually watch the fear and say, oh, okay, it's just there. It's just trying to keep me safe. I get it. Thank you. But I'm gonna I'm gonna ground in. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna stand in my power, right? What you just said there, though, it's just trying to keep me safe. Like hits me hard. Yeah, and it's true. Because guess what? If you're on stage singing a song and you flub up a line, chances are most people may not have seen it, even though you felt yeah. it. Uh, yeah. Chances are if I'm supposed to do an opening bit in front of you know twenty thousand people, at the NBA Finals, and the timing isn't perfect, not one person in the stadium knew, but I did. Yeah. So I have to feel safe and trust the process that that it's gonna you know what i mean i've had dude i've had those moments and you're in front of i had a crazy one in front of six to eight thousand people in montreal at the great cup and they're gonna they're coming to me they're coming to me they're teasing me they're teasing me and if we don't get that first sort of hit then i have to spend the next hour trying to win over the crowd right right because i didn't get that big hit and they set me up the producers they got it they knew exactly what to do they knew if I'm going to work a 68,000 seat stadium, which was the biggest one I'd ever done to this day. Amazing. And they did what they did. They killed it. They, they, they nailed it. And the times I've gone to stadiums and arenas where that doesn't happen, it changes my entire state and flow because I'm trying to, I'm backtracking now, trying to win them over because that big bang, mm. pop, spark, energy, electricity that I try to bring on the first hit took me so long to come back to. Yeah. And I think a lot of us in our lives, in our day-to-day -day lives, I'm not saying everyone gets up in front of thousands of people in their day-to-day -day lives, but it's the same sort of concept of, A, set me up for success, right? Yeah. Yeah. Allow yourself some wiggle room and don't be so hard on yourself because I've had interns who are like, yeah, relax, man. It's not like, it's like nothing, no one got, not, died here. You just missed your cue by five seconds. The popcorn went like, through. <laughs> Maybe could have gone higher, but relax. And I'm like, well, I care, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is because you care, you know, and you're so passionate about it. But, you know, taking the losses or the, and they're not even losses. They're, they're missteps, you know, and just going with the flow, not being attached to the outcome. Sometimes you're going to get it right. Sometimes you're not going to get it right. And that's okay. And parts of that, there's one for me, like, you know, I've been doing a lot of events in Vegas and they, they're now allowing me to do an intro that's like, you know, and you're not on the field, you're not on the court, you're not on the ice. So it's different. You're in the stands and so mm. many things can go wrong in the stands. Right? Yeah. The fan can jump on you when you're about to get up or, and I've just learned to trust it. You know, we've done opening bits with the Blue Man Group, you know, a very famous, you know, Vegas act. And we, we like pushed it and it, guess what? It killed. Right. The video I did with the Blue Man Group just like blew up because everyone's like, nobody saw it coming. And that's also for me as an artist slash performer, I've got to get out of my own way sometimes too, right? 100%. And I'll be the first to admit here, live on you know your, your, your podcast, is that there's times where I push it. I'm like, no, no, I don't, I don't think that's going to work. And then I realized that that's – walk your talk, dude. You're the one who mm. – it's inspiring other people to do it. Why, why are you not listening to the producers and trusting them? Mm, yeah. I think that's such a fine line to explore is when is it trust and intuition? When do you follow that trust and intuition? And, and is it like ego fear? You know, it's like, and, and trying to discern between the two, you know? And, and by the way, you're the client, <laughs> right? How many times have you worked with your clients and you're like, I don't, uh, I, and then you're like, wait a minute. You kind of have to honor their their challenge to bring you in, so to speak, or whatever it is, right? Yeah. And I, I wrote about it in my book. That's like some of the experiences I've had. I'm like, I shouldn't do this, and then I do it, and it blows up. Like it's really bad. But then it, we somehow save it, and then they everyone looks great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Totally. And that, that, and that comes back to that trust, man. You just gotta, you know, you gotta go for it. You know, you gotta trust that the universe has your back. Even if th sometimes you screw it up, it's like continuing to, to put yourself in that position, setting yourself up for success. You know, that's what it's all about. Right. And, and it comes back, to, it comes back to like leadership because there's so many different levels of leadership, which is if you're a true leader, you set up your team for success. 
if you're a true leader, you adapt in the, on the fly and you allow things to happen. Totally. And for me, like I'm working with these teams and companies and I have to bring in my ego, my what's experiences of what's worked best to make their show even better. Totally. And that's an interesting formula. So, yeah. Awesome. So I want to talk about success for a minute because it's such a, um, it, it's, it's an ill-defined word, I think, especially in these times, you know, so, you know, your story has been so, uh, your journey has been so unique um, and out of the realms of traditional sort of societal success, right? So I wanted to ask you, what, what is your definition of success and how has it changed over time? I was doing an interview uh, probably 10 years ago for, they followed 15 people in California on the day of, and they had, they had a surfer, they had a chef, they had 15 different people who had interesting careers. At the end of the interview, um, the main producer inter- asked me a bunch of questions. And then the young girl wanted to get some experience, so she asked me a bunch of questions. She said, do you think you've made it? And I paused and I looked at her and I go, I'm here, aren't I? <laughs> right? This is success. It's a miracle just to be alive. I mean, I was like, and just for the record, let's just be super clear on something. I did not leave that interview in a brand new 911 Carrera and drive off to my Malibu beach mansion with my, you know, uh, amazing view of the beach. But it was such a poignant moment for me because, yes, I'm successful. I've figured out a way to do what I love. I've had highs and lows in rejection and craft dinner nights when I moved to LA and like, you know, Hey, you're going to get the TV show. I was doing a lot of TV hosting. And then the next day, no, you don't have it, but I was on my path. And that to me, mm. is being successful is being on your path, being true to yourself and, and, and having the passion every day to get up and do what you love. That to me, mm. is success, you know? And, um, yeah, I mean, that's defined me, but, you know, because everyone thinks, you know, maybe you're more successful, but then it's like, well, what is it? Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, they, I totally know what you're maybe, saying. Uh, oh, Cause I saw your ESPN article or you were on TV with Novak Djokovic or these moments. Oh, he must be a millionaire living in this. I'm like, well, that's not even, that's not, it's not it was never the point. Right. Mm. So at the end of my journey in this, at least the sports entertainment world, which is, you know, around the corner, but maybe not now that COVID's happened, I'm going to want to do some more things and connect with more people. I look at it and go, dude, I could tell you, I could spend another hour talking about the the, the, the rejection, the heartbreak, the no's that all led to the yeses. So yeah. Hey, are you feeling lost, frustrated, angry about the state of the world, but unsure what to do about it? I get it, the world is a pretty messed up place right now. Yet in these interesting times of shattered realities, many people are using alcohol to escape and numb their feelings of anxiety, dread, and uncertainty. I know, I did it for years. This is why I've made it my mission to support brave souls in mastering their inner world and finding a deeper sense of purpose. To that end, I created Reset 2020. Reset is a personal transformation mastermind group with the intention of resetting your relationship with alcohol and becoming the best version of yourself in an empowering, supportive online community. To check out more about Reset 2020 and to watch my masterclass video, head on over to go.patrickcooklife.com. Remember, cook is spelled with an E, C-O-O-K-E. So it's go.patrickcooklife.com. All right, now back to the show. So for anyone listening that is sort of starting out on that path, it comes back to this idea of trust. Like, how do you continue to tune into your purpose and your passion in the face of adversity, in the face of failure, in the face of no's, and have the trust to continue on that path, you know, rather than saying, okay, well, maybe look at all this evidence that this is not going well, maybe I should try something else. And that's where you know, people stop right before they're going to make it or, you know, gain what they want is, you know, so how do you continue to tune in? I think a big thing for me, having like really kind of had time to sit with it is connecting the dots, right? Mm. You realize, I remember doing a corporate talk for this big job search company. And I remember saying, and I was probably a bit out of line at first with the, with the, I don't think they were amused by what I said, but what I said was, 
you might not want to work here for the next five years or 10 years, <laughs> right? Yeah. But for the next two years that you are going to work here, what are you going to do to set yourself up for success? And what are you going to do to kick ass every day so that your next opportunity that comes, you're better for it. You've met great people. You've learned. And then by the end of it, the guy from the, the, the guy that hired me was like, I was so nervous when you were starting to say that. I was like, Cam, like you can't get people to quit. <laughs> like, Does that make sense? Though? Pat, like, it, it totally makes sense. And I think that especially, sorry, just on that note, the young people who are like, I talked to a lot of them. I'm like, just kick ass in what you're doing now and trust that it'll lead to something. Cause the more you show up, like I would do gigs and I'd be like having a hard time throughout my career at different points. And I do a gig in like some small arena in the middle of nowhere. I'd be tired. And then like a week later you get a call because the head of this team was there and Hey, we want to hire you for five games. And suddenly you're like, Oh, that's what that asshole meant by trusting it. <laughs> there you go. Right. Right. You don't know who's watching you. You don't know who's needs you, but that opportunity comes by showing up and at being at that job that maybe you don't love with every fiber of your being. But you should be, you're grateful you have a job, you're learning, you're providing something of value, and you come home with the you check at the end of the week and you get to do what you do. Mm. So how can I use that to, you know? Yeah, uh, it's great advice. And I totally agree. Do the best you can at what you're doing right now, because it sets you up for the next phase, the next step you're going to take. I'll give you a clear example. I'll be in a minor league game in the middle of nowhere. It's taken me three flights to get there. I, I'm, I'm exhausted. I can, I can name you the city. And, and I remember it and I'm like, Oh my God, I, I can't believe this. I'm exhausted. Blah, blah, blah. But you got to do it. You show up. And I, I, that happened to me like a week later, like one of the guys from the league and then the guy from the league hires me to come in and do the league all-star game. Well, 24 teams from the league were there mm. and they all, not all of them hired me, but a lot of them did. And yeah. the whole point is not about me. It's the concept of, 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 and it's hard, dude. It's hard to trust it when you're like. I, f I hear you, brother. I've been there. Yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's hard to go back there because you're like, and I'm not saying I still don't have, I mean, look, the last five months I've had my moments and people always ask me like, oh, I wonder how Mr. Cheer's doing. Does he need a cheer? <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. Of course I do. Yeah. Well, everybody needs a cheer, you know, that's everybody what this is about. The cheer, you know, I. I, I did a video yesterday from my alma mater and because um, they're going like hybrid online and these two young students, um, I sent it to them. I didn't hear back. And I was like, of course, I'm an, I, I've got an ego. I'm like, oh my God, was it not good? You know what I mean? Yeah. I almost had like a stroke doing it. I was so passionate, like pumping up. The <laughs> so I sent it to these young students and I'm like freaking out. So this morning I get a, a FaceTime. I've never met these girls and they FaceTime me to tell me how much it meant to them, how much they loved it. Holy smokes. That's awesome. And, and I was just like, back to my point of like missing this connection and missing, like having those moments. And mm. I said to them, I said, not only am I like, I said, maybe you listen to my internal, like the message of getting up and trusting it. And that allowed you to randomly FaceTime me because you didn't know me. And you're like, it was kind of like, I loved it. I loved that they had the balls to do it. Yeah, that's incredible. And it comes back to, you know, it, it, as long as you're reaching one person, it makes it worth it, right? And But you need to keep showing up even in the absence of evidence, you know? And this, you know, I, I post a lot online about my journey, you know, my struggles specifically with alcohol. And, you know, I go weeks and then one person will reach out to me is like, dude, your content, your your posts have changed my life. I'm like, holy shit, you know, it's all, it makes it all worth it now. It's like, oh my, you know, and just that. Okay. So that, in that, I need to, I need to stop you in that moment. What happens to you? Take a second to think about this because I want to do the same. What happens when you get that message from someone? I can feel it in my body right now. It's like a total relax. It's a release. All the tension just evaporates. I just feel light and just like, oh, so in alignment. So like, you know, I'm just getting chills just thinking about it. It's like, it just feels right. You know, and it's like, I know that energy is available to me all the time, but 
but it comes back to what we said earlier about being in the fear and the anxiety, you know, it's like, that's going to creep in. And if we, if we buy into it and we operate from that fear and anxiety, we're missing out on that embodied feeling of success and we can have it in every moment. If we remember it's available to us. Does that make sense? Totally. And I remember on that note, I remember reading your first sort of, I'm going to call it truth post. Okay. And I remember, being, <laughs> I'll just tell you, if you want me to tell you how I felt. I felt Please. mildly uncomfortable for you, uh. mildly uncomfortable for myself, and so fucking inspired. Awesome. Because, Perfect. That's exactly what I was going for. Because, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because I, I I had a friend of mine years ago, she said, Cameron, you need to more be more, more vulnerable and, and put yourself out there more because all they see is like, ah, guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. And some yeah. of the best speeches and moments were like, I'm the quietest, I'm the calmest, I'm like, I connect. Yeah. And that truth that you talked about and you talk about is what everyone kind of like, I mean, I don't mean to do this, but I'm going to bring it back to me at the game. Why does it work? Because a lot of people kind of want to be me up there going nuts. Totally. So that's the truth behind what you're doing is I'm doing the permission to cheer. You're doing permission to be fucking real. Yeah, totally. I'm only allowed one more F-bomb, right? I think you said three. Nah, dude. <laughs> right? Like, and when you... I used to have this this barometer for my posts. If my closest friends thought it was a bit icky, it's a post-it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, right? Dude, so and, and that's that? or why? <laughs> yeah, well, it's you know, to challenge people, right? To challenge myself. A to show up vulnerably myself and be real. And like because of the the world we live in with social media, it's all bullshit. It's all just a an illusion. It's a mask. It's a role we're playing online. We want people to see you know, the, the good parts of the highlights of our lives. And most of it's bullshit. So what's beneath the surface? What's, what are people really feeling? What are they really struggling with? And so by sharing what I'm struggling with, it gives other people permission to say, oh shit, there's other people feeling the same thing I'm feeling. Right. So it's not this exclusive. Yeah. And it might not be the exact journey or struggles that they're going, but it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. That sorry. I'm I just got emotional. That's the key. It doesn't matter. If it's your sobriety, if it's your whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It allows you to speak your truth more. I don't know about you, but I have had told my guy friends I love them more in the last five months combined in my life. And that just made me beautiful, almost like crying. And that's amazing, dude. That's amazing. It's yeah. And, and, And that's fucking real. It's real. So this virus, this situation, I think has peeled away the layers of bullshit in a way that never has been done before. It's gotten us to, to get real with ourselves, like no more fucking around. What is really going on? What's really important to you? What are you doing with your life? What is your purpose? What do you want to accomplish before you die? Is it just the car and the house and the job and the money and all that shit? Of course not. Maybe those are part of it, but what is really important to you? You know, and it's caused people to really look underneath the hood and that's uncomfortable and it's not fun for a lot of people. It's everybody. It's uncomfortable. But the other side of it, which I can guarantee from my lived experience and the, the work I've done with my clients, the other side, if you have the courage to look at your own bullshit is magical because once you, once you look at your shadows, your darkness, your fears, and you integrate them into yourself, they no longer own you. They know you're no longer operating from that fear anxiety space right you can you can recognize it doesn't mean it goes away you can see it like we were talking about earlier you decouple from it so you can actually watch it and then you can distill the wisdom from why it's there in the first place which usually is just to keep you safe you know you're scared to go up and speak in front of public because you don't want to look like an idiot you don't want to not get the girl. You don't want to not get the money or whatever it is you know but deep down you want the girl you want to get on stage you want to exactly you want to talk to people about how you, you felt sad today for whatever reasons. Yeah. So what is yeah. holding us back? I think it's I think fear. 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 But it's also societally conditioned, right? Well, we are, we are taught. What you said about the so- social media posts and like, I bet if you yeah. tracked and I bet if I tracked and it's actually an interesting thing where you, I look at like 50 of my posts and like the ones where you get the most comments from me, like when my, when my mother's anniversary of her death, I did a video a while ago mm. and I'm like, like, just like, I couldn't make it through, nor should I. Mm. My mom died. I was 16. It's not fair. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about it. I'm not asking you to write on the post. Oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. Actually, please do write that. 
All I'm saying is it's okay to talk about death. It's okay to grieve in public a bit if you want to learn and share something from my experience. And back to what you started by saying is this virus, this situation we're in, just not just the virus, the whole everything, mm-hmm. is allowing us to have those real conversations. And it might take time for us to get to exactly – it's going to take time to get to where we maybe all want to go. But the fact that even you just – that one day when you press send on that post, whoo! Totally, man. And that's this, this podcast is, is an extension of that. You know, let's get real. Let's talk about the shit that people are actually going through, you know, rather than just like being at all on the surface, this, you know, celebrity fucking culture, it's all bullshit. What are you really feeling? What do you really need? What are some practical tools that we can convey to each other? Communicate, build that collective intelligence where we're collaborating. We're all in this together. It's not just me, me, me. And so the question I ask is like, What is a definition of success that is definition of success for me and everyone at the same time, right? And that's what, that's what you're doing to a certain extent is like, you are successful in what you do, but you're lighting up other people at the same time, you know, and, and in a positive way. Well, success for me truly came today when those, when those two girls had the, had the nerve Mm. to FaceTime me out of nowhere after receiving the video. To me, that's like, that's an extension of my success because it's like getting the kid up to cheer at the game. And there's some kids that copy me and I love it. They rip off their shirt yeah. and they're twirling. That's success because you're like, you, you, you want to ignite that fire in other people. I do by what I do. Yeah. Also how I live, which is, you know, I mean, I'm, I haven't lived a perfect life, nor has anyone. But you send that post and you're super vulnerable and you're, you challenge people. And, and some of the stuff, personally, I resonate with some of it. Didn't hit me that day. But guess what? Maybe your next post will. Same with me. Mm. Same with when I post. Maybe you're like, I that's not what I needed today. And it's that yeah. we have to listen to that, that it's not always going to be your audience isn't always going to like have the perfect thing that you want from them. You know this. Yeah. The performer. Yeah, totally. Has, and and maybe you but you learn from it and you realize, oh, I should just tweak that a bit more. And then you post it and you're like, oh, that really hit. Mm. Is maybe that Mm. tune you were, and when I say tune, I don't literally mean the singing tune, but that tune that you were putting on your social media or I'm trying to do with my speaking and sport events. And then you just, that little tweak and the crowd's like, oh yeah, I'm coming with you. Mm. And when we do that, all the things we talked about, trusting it here, putting yourself out there, being vulnerable, all those things were worth it that you went through when you have that moment. And, and I'll be the first to admit, like the last five months, months, like I've had, I would shoot all these videos to like put them out there and trying to be Mr. Cheer and all that sort of stuff. And I would hear from people and wait, like, Hey, I really, I needed that today. And I'm Mm. same with you, dude. You're like, Oh, that hit you. Oh, good. Yeah. Right. And then I think, Oh, well I got to listen to that a bit more. And then when you don't, you're like, for me, by the way, on, on the posting, if I'm genuinely not feeling it, I'm not doing a post. Great. I totally agree. You got to be feeling it. You have to be embodied. You have to be aligned because the, the energy comes through in the post. I did a video just on that quick note last week, I think it was. And I was sitting at my back desk and I was wearing a t-shirt that said, do the right thing. And I just did a weird camera angle. I was leaning into the phone, leaning in the camera. And I did this whole three minute talk about evolving because working on my book, I realized like, I, was, I walked out of a corporate speech once up in like a five-star resort. It was ridiculous. And I looked at the guy next to me who was a client and I said, I wonder if they would have hired me if they knew about my past. <laughs> and he laughed his ass. <laughs> and this was the last fall and the whole, everyone was canceling everything. And he laughed and I was like, no, I'm kind of serious. And then I did this post about like, of course I'm not who I was at university, but I still am the same spirited loving guy that wants to connect with people. I've just matured and grown up to be this. Yeah. So celebrate that. Awesome. Totally. Amazing, dude. So let's talk about your book. We haven't even gotten there yet. So tell me about it. What's the title? I can't tell you yet. Oh, I see. It's secret. Top secret, is it? Yeah. It might have the word cheer in it and Cameron. (laughs) Uh, That's a clue. It's, it's been a crazy journey of, uh, 
I tried to do a book like six, seven, eight years ago when I was living in New York and it was like the business of cheering and how it's going to help you and all that. And I realized back to, it wasn't real. Like right. every publishing company was like, and I don't talk enough about my rejection, but I got like super rejected. <laughs> no, 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 not enough followers, not enough this. I love to wake up to his videos in the morning, but not for me. And then I sat with it and I realized the, if I'm at a hotel, uh, if I'm at an airport bar and you're like, sorry, you do what for a living? How did that start? Story. What are the craziest things that happened? Story. How, like who inspired you? Story. So it's a collection of stories from, you know, my life, not just cheering, but that, that all have underlying purposes and life experiences through them without being italicized. Like, here's what you should learn by reading this story. Like I'm not, that's just, right. you know? Right, right, right. So let, let's ask the question then, what, what has been the biggest challenge for you? Like where, where have you felt the lowest or, you know, the, the biggest challenges on your journey? Like, let's get real. Let's get vulnerable. Like what's been hard about it? Because what we see uh, is the camera and like the guy that's cheering and ramping everybody up. It can't be that all the time. Like what's been really challenging? I, I think there's two parts to that. One would be in the early days of my career trying to prove myself. I, mm -hmm. I got a job in a restaurant as a bar, uh, waiter and I quit the night before and I said, I'm going to figure this out. And it was the stupidest, smartest thing I've ever done. So the financial repercussions of that were significant and being low. And I, I don't think I was ever back in the day, like I wouldn't call it depressed. It was just more like, and I'm not, not trying to label that, but it wasn't that. It was just like frustration, fear, anxiety that I don't have another plan. So I've had phases of those moments where like in the early days, and then I moved to LA and I like, I didn't hit rock bottom, but I hit, um, I didn't have a working visa. Uh, I wasn't getting any gigs. I couldn't work, but I'm also like, I can't quit. Like I can't go back mm. you know? and staying on people's homes, uh, you know, in people's homes and scrounging back in the day. And I always believed though, somewhere, somehow I always believed. So I think it's those moments of trying to get people to buy into what you're selling. And then I yeah. changed my approach to, I stopped telling people how great I was at getting crowds going and look at my funny dances. And I started to ask people, what do you need? Hey, Steve, yes. who runs the Colorado Avalanche 2009, calling him up. What do you need at your games? Oh, well, you know, or some of our timeouts are quiet. I'm like, oh, well, maybe this would help. Right. So that helped, that helped me get out of that and change my whole career when I started to ask better questions. And then mm. in other ways of being vulnerable, I, I would have to say like, not doing it saying being vulnerable for the sake of being vulnerable right now, but is the come down. Mm. How do you manage that? Uh, <laughs> I'll let you know when I'm figuring it out. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> you know, hits and misses, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, I call it, I jokingly call it cheer oppression. <laughs> oh man. Yes. Cheer oppression. A couple of years ago, I was riding the craziest wave of my career. Like, 2007 or eight. Yes. 2008. I was literally bouncing back from the NHL finals one day, next day, Cleveland, next day, Vegas. And it, like doing this corporate event, like it was, I was everywhere for like three or four months and I was about to crash. Right. Mm. And I came home and I wanted to go on holiday and I just knew I had to get away. And I had, I literally had a physical reactions to the come down. So mm. it was really, really hard. I didn't mask it with alcohol or drugs then. I have on the road, like when I've been tired, like not tired, coming down, like you go out and you have drinks with your friends and then you realize the next day, like I wouldn't do it as much for gigs. I've only been hung over for less than 10 gigs, which I'm proud of that. <laughs> wow. That's massive, dude. That's huge. Congratulations. Well, I mean, I've been a little slow, but I, like actually yeah. stupidly hung over. Um, right. And I'm not. I mean, you, you fight through it, but not proud of it, but I, whatever, you know? Yeah. So in that moment though, I realized that like, you have to take time for you to re-energize, to give back. And there are mm. times when I don't plan it, that it's not a disaster, but it's not fun. Mm. Dude, scheduling self-love is what you're talking about. It's so important. And when you're full of adrenaline and you're coming off the high and you want to go get chase the next one. It's really hard to schedule, isn't it? Like, I don't know, you find for me. sure, for sure, for sure. Well, a couple of things are coming up for me is like, 
you know, yeah, using drugs and alcohol to sort of ease that come down, but not falling into that trap of, you know, becoming dependent on it, you know, either to get you up or to bring you down, you know, like lots of performers, lots of people fall into that trap, myself included, uh, in the past. Uh, so managing that for sure. Um, and then, yeah, the, the depression, um, over time is you have to develop an ecology of practices where you continue to ground in and meditation is a massive one for me. Journaling is a massive one for me. Movement, some kind of exercise being in your body. You know, these are the acts of self love that we need to schedule. And I call them non-negotiables. Like when I work with my clients now, it's like you need to schedule these non-negotiables. So it's not whether you're feeling it or not. It's not whether you have time or not. No, this is on the schedule. This goes before everything else. So first thing in the morning, I'm meditating, I'm moving, I'm journaling, I'm setting myself up for success, like you talked about earlier. These are the things that set you up for success in your day. Well, it even comes back to like when I have a pregame nap, the team will be like, well, can you meet at this time? And I'm like, no. Yeah. Whereas the early days of Cameron would have been like, I just talked to myself in third person, <laughs> but would have been like... <laughs> Yeah, of course. Yes, yes, of course. Yes, whatever you need. Yeah. And that's who I've been. And that's when I've gotten in trouble. Yes. When you get, you know, the team executive wants to go out with you and you might have an early flight the next day, but you might not have a gig, but they, you know, they are the owner and they want to go have a bunch of drinks and fun Cameron has to show up. Yeah, totally. And that's when you get in trouble. Not just saying like I'm parting late and sure I've had my fun nights. I'm not pretending I, I haven't, yeah. but that's when yeah. you like lose the boundaries of, Sometimes I wouldn't say being professional, but being true to yourself, because yeah. if the next team that's hiring you, you show up and you look like crap and you're not giving it your all, then you're like, well, wait a minute, what, what am I doing? Yeah. Unsustainable over the long term. It is fun. Yeah. Glad I've experienced a few of them, but I'm good with them. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know and I mean? awesome. It's all, it, it's all part of the journey and you learn from everything, man. So yeah, it's amazing. Cam, I, this has been so amazing. I could talk to you all day, but I'm just going to be cognizant of your time. Just ask one or two more questions. Your, your journey and your energy is just so remarkable, dude. I'm, I'm so grateful to have this time with I, you. I feel like you would relate to this where I've been having some great conversations with people. Mm. I feel like this time, you know, like obviously we have to make the most of where we're at in the world and otherwise it's mm. way. Like you've created, like you, you've done all this work in your life as a creative guy, a musician, soulful human this next chapter, like the impact we can make and you're going to make now is like, look out. I feel the same look out now. Yeah. All these tools that we have. And I think if other, anyone's listening and going like, Oh, well I'm stuck. It's like, use all the tools that got you here and, 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 sharpen them. and don't be fucking perfect. It's fine. <laughs> you know why? You know why people hire me to speak at their events? Because I don't have a slideshow and I don't bore the fuck out of you. I guarantee you, people that are more, more fluid and maybe their thoughtfulness and the way they can combine this story with that. But I guarantee you, I did a talk. I'm just bragging for a second. 28 speakers at a conference two years ago in San Francisco. I worked my ass off. Guess what I was ranked from the speakers, 28 speakers? Number one. I was. Of course. And I was more proud of that than dancing on center court at the U.S. Open with Novak Djokovic. Wow, man. Impact. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So my point is, it's like I had to go in and sharpen my tools. I felt I was a good speaker. But if you're going to hire me and have 400 people spend 40 minutes listening to me, that's 40 times 400. Da, da, da. I got to put in the work, mm. man. Yeah. So do you prepare for your speaking gigs? Like do you have a, a itinerary or what you're going to say or you just let it flow? I have a – yeah. I've worked hard at like the itinerary. It's not memorized per se. Right. right. It's a pretty structured flow that can – you know, if I have a moment with someone in the audience, I can come back to it. And it's not like, right. hey, next slide is, uh, as you can see right. here, I'm at a hockey game. And, you know what I mean? Right. Nobody wants <laughs> that anymore. Don't you agree? Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. No, it, it, especially in those situations, it, like having a framework into something to, to, to uh, fall back on, but to let it flow, whatever comes through you in that moment. Cause again, you're reading the room, you're creating an energetic connection. And sometimes the people are really up and they need, you know, something. And sometimes they're down and they need something. It's like, it's your job to figure out what that is and deliver it. hundred percent. But on that note, what you just hit me with is sometimes when you're performing and you've got, you know, 200 people in a room, like, like there, sometimes you're not making noise and clapping along and dancing, but guess what they're doing? 
they're actually listening. Yeah, totally. And it's really hard for people that are emotionally like involved in the in, in the audience. Because sometimes I'm like, I'd be in a room and it's a big conference and they're paying you well. And you're like, oh shit, I'm not getting anything. When in reality is, that's when they're getting the most from you. Yes. Yes. So listening to your audience, maybe we can end it on that. Beautiful. All right. One last question. We're kind of, you know, talking about it right now. If you were to take all of your experiences and your knowledge and your wisdom gained and distill them into one message, what would it be? The cheer you get is the cheer you give. Ooh. Love it. Mike? Mike drop. <laughs> Cameron Hughes, ladies and gentlemen, this has been so uh, magnificent and magical. Thank you so much oh, for coming on the show. You're starting. <laughs> yeah, no, dude. You're done. You're oh, done. You're you, you, Thank you for having me. It's uh you know, it's fun to uh it's fun to be real, dude. That's the end of the day. Right? Yeah. That's it. That's what and this is all about. And it's healthy at the end of the day. It's it's super healthy. So healthy. Yeah. Awesome, dude. So let people know where they can find you, where they can find your book. Uh, yeah, it's coming out uh, early October, end of September, early October. Uh, with everything, we're rolling the punches. Uh, at Cameron Cheers is my Twitter and Instagram. And I'm going to be doing a lot of fun sort of promos and special guests and launches. And, you know, it'll be virtual for now. And then we're going to go live at the next level when it's when it's time. Nice. Awesome. I'll include all those in the show notes. Once again, Cameron, thank you so much for your time today. Big love to you, brother. Keep being. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And if you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe, rate, and review. For more information and show notes, head on over to being-podcast.com. We'll see you next time. And remember, live your being.